Thank you for listening to this episode of Mutant or Minority. I'm going to try to tone down my usual social political diatribe and attempt to speak in a more sober fashion. 2020 has been a shit show of chaos and uncertainty. I assume that most of us want it to end. So please wear a mask. Please, if you have a few extra dollars in your pocket, donate it to a food bank or to a charity. Please, if you have the time, contact your member of Congress and let them know that you support some sort of reimagining of the way that we police each other. And if you give a shit about any of that, please plan your vote. There are several organizations that will help you do it. We don't have to live under the constant storm of threats to our environment and our bodies. I get it. Sometimes the fight feels good. Sometimes we can personally weather the storm so we don't care. Sometimes we successfully push against the wind. But this shit is getting old and tiring. Vote. A brave man likes the feel of nature on his face, egg. And a wise man has enough sense to get in out of the rain. Let's get into it. Minority. My name is Jared Birdsong, also known as Barack Baggins, the first Black Mayor of the Shire. Uh, uh, with me tonight are my esteemed co-host, uh, Frank Escamilla. That's what say. Yo, what's up, y'all? Frank Escamilla, Professor X, a.k.a. Pablo Naruto. Yeah, that's right. I'm bringing it there. What's up, fam? Um, also with us today is um, my good old friend, uh, Jared Sands. I almost forget your name for a second there. Uh, Jared Sams, you got anything you want to say? I won't take that personal. You know, uh, I won't take it. It's cool. It's fine. You forget me sometimes. That's, uh, that hurts a little bit. But yo, Nerd Master General, here in attendance. Let's do it. Let's go. Yeah. I actually drew a blank for a hot second there. Man. This is Stone Cold Trip. I don't even know what to say about that. Jared Sams, I just want to say that you make me feel like I've been locked out of heaven for too long, <laughs> too long, too long. Yeah, Just for those of you who can't see, Jared Sams is wearing a Bruno Mars shirt, very proudly. And uh, and I just had to quote some lyrics at him, and you might hear some more Bruno Mars lyrics throughout the night. You're welcome. It's uh, I'm rocking my Black Panther. It's it's a the big old Black Panther on the Bruno Mars shirt. So that's very apropos to just just my mood for the last you know a couple a week or two. How long has it been since we lost our Kang? You know what? It's interesting. That in the age of Trump, because there's so much scandal, that everything seems to go faster. Even things that don't concern Trump now seem to move quicker. Like you're right, the the, the notion that Chadwick Boseman died just a few days ago, it feels like it's been a long time already. The days are long, but the weeks and months are short. It just, you know, so even with Chadwick Boseman, already it feels like, man, that's that feels like a few weeks ago. You know, you're nuts. But anyways, with that. Normally, we would at this point, we would um, probably go into the things that we are all individually watching and uh, reading right now. But why don't we spend a moment maybe um, discussing uh, Chadwick Boseman's impact on, um, on you know, our movie and reading habits. You know, obviously, most of our, 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 
our movie watching habits. I know that the first movie I saw him in was in 42. And I remember at the time, it didn't feel like I was watching a newcomer. I mean, he already felt to me seasoned and ready. He felt like a star already. I remember watching that movie and feeling like this cat is ready for starting. Yeah, I felt the I felt very similar. I saw him in 42. Um he just he just blew me away as T'Challa man. Like he he took that role and and uh and shifted like a culture, right? I feel like even losing him, uh thinking about I've been I've been thinking about him a lot actually. Losing him feels like uh it feels similar to like in some ways to losing Bruce Lee mm-hmm. as just a cultural icon, right? Someone that came in and just shifted something in, in the ethos of the culture uh, in such short time, right? He was like a shooting star uh, and he was able to, to, to give us something bigger than he knew he was giving us. Um, yeah, it just, it, it blew me away. The last thing I saw him in was in uh, The Five Bloods, it's called, the Spike mm-hmm. Lee movie. And I didn't really care for the movie, man, but he he uh he he stole that role. He stole that movie. Uh his presence and it's just like I, I don't know, he just stands with such integrity. He stood with such integrity in every role that he did and and uh and was a true artist, you know? And and yeah, just it, it hurts kind of talking about it. You know this better than anyone else, Frankie. I mean, that's what you do professionally, is get people to talk about it. So I mean, I think that we're in the right place right now discussing this. I mean, because obviously there's a lot of things I think that we're going to have to, um, as fans of the MCU, we're going to have to deal with in the, in the near future, uh, at, the, at the very least within the coming year, I think. Jared? Uh, yeah, well, Frankie said about Bruce Lee, that's spot on, man. I don't know. That, that's the first time I heard someone say it like that, and that's, uh, that really resonated. And, and, you know, I'm with you also. Like, I feel like every time, like, you know, I see, like, uh, every time I think about, like, the end of Endgame, you know, when, like, the portal opens and it's, like, Black Panther walking out. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm, I'm a, that's going to devastate me every single time now, but for different reasons. Before, it was, like, my nervousness being, like, oh, my God, Black Panther and all of them, everyone's coming back. Now it's literally, like, oh, my God, Chadwick Boseman, he was a fucking superhero. And I feel a little bad because, like, I, I feel like I didn't give him his roses while he was here. Like, I think the worst kind of movie is is the biopic i just don't i just don't like biopics i think they're whatever i don't i won't i won't uh, distill it too much but i don't like biopics so i I never really watched his his other movies because he did a lot of biopics right um and even black panther like you know like if my my thing if i have any criticism of black panther it's it's not his performance by any means but it's like oh, i wish t'challa was was represented better or whatever you know what i mean like i feel like i never gave him the props that 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 I think I should have gave him because in his passing, learning about what he went through while he had the disease, le- learning about, you know, like he's, 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 he's hustling, he's working, he's playing these iconic roles and he has, he's fighting cancer. Like this guy's like a real superhero. Like, like that's like, like that's, that's like my shame is like in hindsight, I'm just like, now that he's not here, I'm like, Oh my God. Like I'm a, <laughs> I'm a giant Chadwick Boseman fan. Like I'm watching 42, I loved it and watched Get On Up, loved it. You know, I'm just like, oh my God, like, why wasn't I on this guy uh, while he was still here? But um, yeah, he'll be missed. He's a, he's an immense talent and he's a legendary status, right? Go. For real, I mean, they, he made something iconic. I mean, honestly, I mean, I guess we would have to include Christopher Priest 
and to some extent Ryan Coogler, but you have to give him credit for being one of the people who took Black Panther to the next level. The three of us are all comic book readers, so we know how dismissed the Black Panther as a character has had been. Not not necessarily in the um, the late nineties and the in the two thousands, but we know going back to the eighties and the early nineties, maybe even a little bit into the late eighties, that Black Panther was largely a dismissed character, and it wasn't really until Christopher Priest came along and wrote the character, and then Ryan Coo later on Ryan Coogler. And Chadwick Boseman came along and took the character to another level, not just raising the profile of Black Panther himself, but all of the surrounding characters. And that's incredible. I, I mean, do you guys believe that there would have ever been a day? Go back, late 80s, early 90s, and think, did you ever believe there was a, there would be a time that Black Panther was one of the most popular characters in CD? I think you should take it to the next level. It's not one of the most popular characters in MCU. He's officially one of the most popular fictional characters, period, right? Like, he's the most recognizable. He, I mean, he's, he's got that status. And and and, when, and now, but, and it's interesting because you're right, like, I've been a Black Panther fan since I was, a, you know, assigned to a little Negro. But now that I'm a, an adult Negro, like, it's just crazy seeing the world know who Black Panther is and the face they attach to Black Panther is, I think, for, is Chadwick Boseman. And they'll be that way for a while, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, Jared, I think also in, in, in making that assessment, you also have to consider, um, I mean, uh, not Jared Sam's, Jared, you have, you have to consider um, <laughs> that, that uh, the privilege that one had to have to be a Black Panther fan in the 80s and in the 90s, right? Um, you know, oh. for, for people of color, you know, like I, I just remember being a young comic book fan and how I, I couldn't afford comic books. Right. So so they I had to treat them as one offs to get the story. And I think about how many people did not have access uh, to, to this to this um, to this media. Right. That, that didn't have access to seeing this this hero, because I think if if more people did, uh, we would have seen this happen a long time ago I mean, in, in books. Like I think he would have rose up. Uh, the character would have rose up a lot quicker than it did. Right. And it took the times that we we're in. It took the day that we're in. And it took this particular actor who, who really stepped into that role with integrity, with 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 care, right, with with um, research and, and and like a, an honor um, for wanting to portray, you know, this this king. Right. Which which is um, which which in in our culture anyway, like the black king is is a, it's a legend. Right. But it's a legend of a legend because we heard we hear of stories that there used to be you know, kings and queens, you know, in Africa, but we, we don't have any of it in our history books. We don't study it like Greek history, like Greek uh, mythology. You know, we just we just get hearsay. And so this, this person, you know, I mean, him, the writers, the directors, like they took it to a whole different level. And really, like he, there has to be more credit, right? Because it's, you know, in, in some sense, it's just, you know, people will say it's just a movie. But it's not just the movie. And again, even though I, I wasn't the biggest like fan of the, the story in that movie, like what it resurrected was was a connection to to our ancestors, was a connection to these old ways and this something like that. That scene is powerful when when he gets to when he gets to see his father again, right? When he gets to go into that next realm, to that to to have access to the ancestors and they teach him like yes. No one's ever gone. We always have ac access to these ancestors. And 
not only do you have access to them, but they're here, they're conspiring to help you heal, to help you move forward, and to help you heal the traumas of, of their past, right? It's, it's just so powerful. And, and you know, one day, I mean, as, as we progress in this, like, healing um, motion in the world, right, in this healing direction, um, that his name is also going to be included in that, I think. Agreed. Real quick, um, that's deep. I have to, I totally agree with you. That 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 scene in the Dejalia is incredible, especially that the, the notion that he actually confronts his ancestors at that. Not only does he get to see them, but he doesn't even really partake in their wisdom wisdom as much as he um, confronts them. And that's an awesome scene. Uh, real quick before we move on, I just want to ask one quick question. Um, obviously, like like Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, we're gonna have to replace this guy. And so, did you, did, have you guys thought about this? Are you too deep in mourning to have considered it, or have you had any thoughts about it? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I uh, um, it's hard not to, and it's gross, you know, in a way, because like, it like, I love, I love the character, you know, so I, of course, like, like my mind kind of goes there, you know, obviously, uh, love Chadwick's representation of it, um, but you know, I think the Black Panther. Is bigger than Chadwick Boseman. I think what he represents is bigger than Chadwick Boseman. So I think he he has to go on in some way, and then that's the thing that I would I love to see. I don't. I mean, honestly, I don't know. There's no easy really answer. I know, like in the comics, Shuri uh, becomes Black Panther for a spell, which I which I could see. Uh, my mom, her her theory. My mom's now a huge Marvel fan, uh, so her theory is that Nakia uh, could be the Black Panther. You know, they got married or something, and she's like the Queen Regent or some shit like that. Um, I personally would love to see them, you know, bring back Killmonger. I think that might be an interesting arc to, to kind of like, if, if you think about like Killmonger somehow, I mean, it's, it sounds silly, but you think about the original Black Panther, the, the best thing about it is Michael B. Jordan in a lot of ways. Right. And so the idea of bringing him back in some way where he has to, you know, live with the legacy of the Black Panther and seeing that arc over like three movies or whatever, be pretty fascinating as well but um but yeah i don't envy marvel because i i don't know i don't know what you do i don't know how you solve that problem you know well i think i read that they're moving forward with black Panther too and i and i agree like the the logical thing with the would be to put shuri into that position um one i don't think they're going to replace they're going to cast anybody else's t'challa for for quite a few years. I don't think that, that they, they would make that um, that move. But I do also think that um, because they keep talking about bringing the X-Men in, that there's a possibility they, they might try to write Storm is in, in as the next Black Panther because she was also uh, Black Panther for a while, right? If I'm not mistaken. No. There, was a, there was a series where they were trying to say that who's going to be the next Black Panthers, the next Black Panthers. So they did a series of variant covers one with um, Shuri as a Black Panther, one with Storm as a Black Panther. I don't know, there's someone else they did. It was all exactly the same, but I think only they knew that it was going to be a woman and ended up being Shuri. And was there anyone else in the variant covers, Jared? Do you remember? Um, yeah, I remember those covers. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it was always going to be Shuri. I mean, they, you know, it was when Reggie Hedlund was writing the book and he was sort of like kind of building that up. He introduced the character of Shuri um, you know, um, so yeah, he was always building that character up to, to kind of take that position. But it, like I said, again, you know, Marvel, this Marvel Cinematic Universe seems to go their own direction a lot of ways. So 
So um, anyway, Jared, uh, sorry, Frankie, why don't you go and finish your thought, man? I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, I thought I thought that was that was a possibility, but also um, I I recently saw a video where they were talking about how Ashuri and and um and Peter Parker are the same age right now, and and it's kind of a similar storyline. I mean, it's not a storyline that the brother was lost, but I mean, it, it could be set up as a similar storyline where the mentor is passing on the mantle, right? Um, and and might fit well with the new Avengers. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't. Like Jared said, it feels kind of dirty to even think about it. Well, I have to admit, I um, because I I love the Black Panther comics um, and I like the movie. Um, I I am somewhere right where both of you guys are on this. I actually asked the question because I have to admit that I've been rolling in the dirt a little bit, and I thought about it because I was trying to think who would make the most logical emotional choice that might seem somewhat disparate to talk about logic and emotional choice at the same time um but uh i thought that i was thinking michael b jordan would be the choice because i think because of the connection that people have to the character killmonger strange enough because i consider killmonger to be the dumbest character in black panther's uh list of bad guys his rogues gallery i i never like uh, in Jadaka Killmonger as a character inside the comic books, man. I was about to be silly, way too broish. All right, Jared wants to say something. Else. Killmonger over, you, you're telling me you take a man ape over Killmonger? Man ape in the comics literally is a nigga in a white monkey suit. <laughs> and you tell me Killmonger is the worst? In, That's crazy. That's crazy. In spite of his big giant white ape suit, I agree with you. In spite of his big giant white ape suit, I still like Killmonger. I'm not Killmonger. I still like Manate more as a character than Injadaka. Now, let me say this. Um, Michael B. Jordan nailed, they rewrote that. You have to, you guys have to admit, they reimagined the character. Because the in, the character in the movie is completely reimagined from the character inside combat. Yeah, the comic book character is just a bro. He, he's not a compelling character. Anyways, um, but it just seemed to me that Michael B. Jordan, if they had to come back, it would, um, people would connect with it. And I think that there's this sense of um, brotherhood that you would, that people would get with Michael B. Jordan doing. I just think that it's the quickest way for them to recast the character without offense. I can't imagine too many people who would be offended by Michael B. Jordan taking up the role. I think there's power in the idea of the idea of, of essentially an Amer- a black American becoming the king of Wakanda, right? I think maybe there's something there's something there that's uh, fascinating. I, I think uh, maybe um, uh, worthy of, of exploration. Um, and I think someone like uh, Ryan Coogler and uh, Michael B. Jordan, I think they're both two artists who I think would bring a lot to that conversation. And, you know, I, I, th- I think that could be interesting, you know? Um, well, let me say we'll this. Say- I am- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I am not necessarily saying Injadaka becoming the Black Panther. I'm talking about Michael B. Jordan taking up the role as T'Challa. So yeah, I'm not not necessarily um, saying that Injadaka would come back, somehow come back to life. I'm thinking about just actual Michael B. Jordan, just like the way soap opera does. So when the movie first kicks on, some low voice comes over and says, the role of T'Challa will now be played by Michael B. Jordan. And then the movie starts. Unacceptable. <laughs> now that's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. unacceptable, Darius. I, I want you to 
We've got to cut this out of the entire conversation. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, everybody's entitled to their opinions. You guys, we're going to get back into this. Let's um, move on. You know, I want to just go over, um, you know, in the, in the spirit, I want to get into our next segment. Um, if you don't know now, you know. There are a few things that have come across the wire. Um, it looks like a Star Trek is about to welcome its first transgender character and its um, first non-binary character. Um, and they're going to appear on Star Trek Discovery. Um, the character Gray will be played by a tra- trans actor, Ian Alexander. And Blue Del Barrio will be, will be playing Adira, a non-binary character. Um, and as I mean, I don't know if you guys watch um, uh, Star Trek Discovery. My wife and I are devoted Star Trek fans. I, don't, I know, Frank, that's not necessarily a cup of tea. Um, and Jared, I think you do follow Star Trek. I'm not, I'm not correct, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I dig it. I, I, I'm not too big of a fan of the modern uh, take on Star Trek, but it has nothing to do with um, them expanding the, the cast of of the upset upset franchise. You know, like I, I'm, it's really exciting seeing them. You know, refl- reflect the cast. The cast reflect the world we live in and the future that, you know, that we can potentially, you know, see, you know, uh, was non-binary characters, you know, obviously people of color, uh, transgender, and it just be part of the, the makeup of a utopian society. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can check, you look at the casting they've already had and the characters already had. Wilson Cruz and Anthony Rapp already are main characters on the show playing a, a homosexual couple um, with um, deep emotional ties to each other. Um, and there have been episodes dedicated to the love of their relationship already, not to mention the casting of many people of color, plus women in major roles. Um, I cannot, what is the, Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, that's it. Thank you so much. Yes. She plays an awesome character, two different roles. She actually plays, and it's, it's, it's incredible, but I think the representation of that show has actually been very, very good. Um, not to mention, um, have you guys heard about the controversy with Mulan? Uh, it looks like right now, um, much of the controversy going on with Mulan is that it's centered around um, two primary topics. Um, the first one is that um, the star of Mulan, uh, Liu um, Yifei, if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, my apologies if I'm not, um, she made comments in support of the Hong Kong police and their interactions with protesters, right? basically supporting some of the violence that um, Hong Kong police have used against um protesters, right? Or pro-democracy protesters. Um, not to mention the other controversy that the movie was filmed in the Xinjiang region of China, which is that's basically where um, Uyghur Muslim, Muslims are essentially being interned in mass detention camps. And I think finally, to add insult to injury, it looks like much of the, um, the behind the scenes work is being mostly done by Caucasian crew and so it looks like even that this movie which is based on a chinese character based in china has a mostly white crew so it looks like some these are some of the things that are um really kind of have some people bent out of shape about about long currently then finally i think that if we can get back on chadwick boseman i don't know if you guys had a chance to read the story but it looks like um chadwick boseman originally auditioned for drax the destroyer that was his means of breaking into the MCU. That was the way he thought he could break into it. But um, there was the original iteration of Drax, and there was the second iteration of Drax, which was the buff like Hulk one, cosmic Drax. And then this new Drax, which I thought, I love that version of Drax, very different from uh, the way Dave Batista portrayed him, but I like Dave Batista's portrayal. 
it's hard for me to imagine that they were going to ever get Chadwick Boseman to do that portrayal if that's what Gunn had in mind, right? If that was the portrayal he had in mind, it would have been strange to see Chadwick Boseman in that role. But finally, the last thing about Chadwick Boseman, I want to see if you guys want to comment on this. Did you guys read that he had refused roles, asking to read for roles about slavery? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, look at he's <laughs> he's trying to change the narrative, right? He's trying to change yeah. the narrative. He only wants to play characters of color who are strong, or you know, outside of the typical sort of like Hollywood um, portrayal of 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 people of color, right? Especially black characters. So um, yeah, I saw that, and yeah, respect. You know, he he uh, he stuck to his gun. Um, yeah. I mean, he did play a lot of, you know, notable black figures, that's for sure. But but none of them were slaves, you know, and, and, I, and I guess that's uh, that's something as well, you know. Well, I think to some extent, I mean, I don't know what Frankie thinks about that, but it goes back to what Frankie's comments were when he talked about Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman has what I think a lot of black, older black women have and a, and a degree of being regal in how he presents himself, right? And he basically looks like he chose characters that, could have that same kind of quality. You know, Thurgood Marshall, maybe not necessarily James Brown, but uh, but Thurgood Marshall, obviously, in 42 with Jackie Robinson, of course, with um, King T'Challa. Even in some of the other movies, like um, A Message from the King, he would to have these roles where that he was able to emit a degree of integrity and, and self-esteem that seemed to rise above any kind of disregard that a, a racist community would have for him. But I don't know what you thought about that, Frankie. I mean, is that something that I think that, I mean, do these roles matter? I mean, if you are, are a person that you're refusing historical roles, I mean, it's tough. I mean, have there just been enough slave movies? I mean, if that could go for anything. If you're a person of Japanese heritage, do you refer, refuse a role about the internment of, of the Japanese um, during, during the uh, Second World War, 1941, uh, on the West Coast. I mean, yeah, I, I, I disagree. I think it takes a, an incredible matter of integrity and, and, uh, and bravery, man, like to, to turn down roles, um, you know, in order to maintain the vision that you want to put out into the world. Like, <clears throat> I don't even know, like we have to ask the question, who wrote those movies? Were they written by, by white writers? Still perpetuating that same old story? Um, you know, these, these things have to be questioned as well. Like maybe if, if there was a, you know, maybe if it, if there was a, a black screenwriter who wrote that role, you know, from, from a, from a different point of view, from one of like, you know, a, a descendant of people who walked that path, maybe he would have had a different, it, it would have had a different story, you know, but a lot of these, a lot of these narratives are exactly the same, um, you know, with, with these slave movies. So. I think, yeah, I think it, it, it showed a lot of integrity and, and brave and bravery in, in Hollywood because you, you know, to turn down roles like that, you know, knowing, not knowing if you'll ever get another one again, like take, takes, you know, a certain amount of, of, res- of self-respect, you know? You want to say something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I, I think, uh, and this ties a little bit, a little bit to everything we're talking about, including the Milan story and, you know, a little bit of this. Um, you know, the Academy Awards just introduced uh, new diversity um, um, and inclusion rules. Uh, you guys hear about this at all? I have. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, essentially, it's um, starting, I guess, in not this year, but maybe I think next year, the year after. 
<laughs> um, I, I think this year the year or the year after, um, movies have to meet a certain criteria for diversity and inclusion uh, in in regards to in front of and behind the camera. Um, yeah. And you know, someone like uh, someone like Chadwick Boseman, kind of like you know, making a decision or making a, kind of putting a line in the sand, kind of saying you know, there are certain roles that I want to play that are important or whatever, whatever, I think changes. It, 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 it's a decision that's trying to change, not just, I think his role in Hollywood, but just the role of characters of actors like him in Hollywood, you know, and, and the idea of seeing of challenging Hollywood and writers and producers to put out content that isn't, that, that it, that doesn't look like it looked like, you know, you know for the, for the, you know, for the last hundred years or whatever of filmmaking, you know, it, you know, seeing black characters um, in situations um, that feel new and different and, and seeing them strong and powerful. I, I feel like, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think that's what Frank was saying. It's a brave, de- it's a brave decision. That's a brave thing to kind of like take a stand on. And, it, you know, maybe it's not like the craziest thing to take a stand on, but I, but I think it has repercussions a lot. You know, I, I think the idea of knowing that you can be my, I always say my aunt uh, would say, you know, niggas just don't dream no more. You know what I mean? And like, and like, I think that's what this decision kind of allows that for more, right? It allows for people like us to see someone like that play a king, play play a sci-fi Afrofuturist king and not, not a slave. And not that the slave narratives are important as well, but, um, but seeing, seeing someone like that looks like me play a different role in a different world uh, it's empowering and it's it's necessary and needed in today's world. Interesting. You know, I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, by no means was I advocating on on one side of the ledger for that. I guess the, the question for me was to ask, you know, um, with as much information as we are privy to in these days, not just, you know, you know, YouTube, TikTok information, right? I'm talking about historical information. We all pretty know, Jared, you and I already had this discussion about the slave narrative movies and what we're at this point willing to read and what we're willing to watch, right? That in many ways we, in our discussion, we said that we've kind of seen those movies. You know, it takes a lot. Someone have to tell me about an excellent performance nowadays for me to go see 12 Years a Slave. I did go see it eventually, but I didn't rush out to see it. I can't lie. You know, there's, you know, even uh, Django Unchained, right? Which to the credit of that movie, whether or not you like, um, but whether or not you like the writers or not is somewhat inconsequential to the quality of the story, I guess, to some extent. But I didn't rush out to watch that. I didn't really, I felt like, okay, it's a slave narrative, but to the credit of the writers and the producers of that movie, they reimagined the notion of slavery. And that's literally why I jumped on to Jingle and Chain, just for that reason. Like, like you know, sometimes it's not necessarily about, it, it's just, yeah, whatever. It, it's just about seeing things uh, in a different, fact, a different light. Uh, and approaching the problem or the situation of the story uh, from a different angle. Um, and, and, you know, personally, like I'm watching a show called Underground. And while I love Underground, it is Ocean's Eleven with slaves. And like, and yeah, sure, there's slaves in it, but it's a heist movie, right? And and that's what I think makes it fun and interesting to watch is it isn't just, you know, torture porn, you know, or, or like, isn't this so bad? It's uh, violent pornography, man. That's what it is. Yeah. There it is. So anyways, um, at this point, I guess uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to our main topic, which is um, we wanted to review Project Power. 
starring Jamie Foxx. Show takes place in New Orleans. Uh, it also co-stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt um, and, Do- and Dominique Fishback. I'm sorry, Dominique Fishback. I haven't really seen her much other than this any other shows. Do you guys really recall seeing her yeah. anything? She was, on the Deuce. she was on The Deuce, uh, the HBO show The Deuce by the guys at The Wire. Um, she was great. I mean, she played a very, very different role uh, on The Deuce. Uh, you son of a bitch, Frankie. You, I don't need to see that. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, Hey, you got... No, all right, cool. Go, little Goonies action in the back. I like it. Um, hey, we got to talk about how Sloth was a superhero one day. Yeah, one day, no doubt. He was a Superman shirt, right? Something yeah. like that. Superman Sorry. No, totally. But but yeah, no, she was on a show called The Deuce where she played a, a prostitute, actually. She was, it's a very different role. It, it's very strange seeing her in this role for me because last time I saw her, she was playing a pretty convincing prostitute in the 1970s being pimped by Black Thought. So it, it was very strange. But um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's been in stuff and she's a good, she's a great actress. The show is basically about a, a government experiment or a government project to turn the abilities of the animal kingdom, believing that those same latent um, abilities lie within the genes of human beings, right? So the ability, the abilities of a pistol shrimp, the abilities of lizards to grow back limbs, the abilities of um, faster and stronger muscle tissue in, in primates, all these things can be harnessed to make humans superhuman, right? The idea in the story is that people can take this pill and for five minutes, they get those abilities, right? So if I take this pill, now the problem is that you don't know. You could take this pill and explode, or you could take this pill and suddenly be able to catch fire. I don't know, man. What did you guys think about the notion behind uh, this project? You know, no pun intended. Okay. Yeah. 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 My bad. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Um, I thought, I thought the concept, this concept's cool. I just think that, I think it's kind of toothless though, right? Like I, I think there's nothing really too, for me, the, the the fun of like powers of having abilities or whatever is exploring like how that affects society, right? Or how that affects the people who have them kind of thing. Like it's the societal aspects of that story that, um, that I'm personally invested in. Um, and so this just felt like, it just felt hollow. Like it didn't say anything interesting about about the powers, right? Or about like, like, like they, they, they held it, it takes place in New Orleans, right? So it takes place in New Orleans, yeah. very black city. Um, and so they definitely leaned in, into that aspect of the story of, of the characters, um, which I appreciated. But at the same time, like I said, like nothing, nothing of like value was really said about it. It just felt like it was like, wouldn't it be cool if people had superpowers? And here's some superpowers, right? Like, like even the idea of like what powers you get or like, you know, the idea of like escaping whatever horrible place you're at kind of thing. Like none of that's even really touched on. It's just kind of like um, a kind of a silly action movie, which, you know, it is a it is. I guess it is a good silly action movie, but I, I was hoping for a little bit more from it. I agree. I have to admit it was fun. It, it was more spectacle. And I think for us, we've reached an age, all of us have to admit, not to, to blast us out, but we've reached an age where the space between concept and story matters now, right? You can have an awesome concept, which is, this is a cool concept. I thought it was a, 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 a decent idea, a decent concept to say, okay, you know, we have these, the notion that Darwin's theory of evolution kind of exists to the extent that, that human beings have latent genes, 
from all these different animal species, right? And that because of that, we have these latent genes that were possibility through our genetic material of accessing these same abilities beyond this largely far-fetched, but a pretty cool concept, right? Because no, none of the three of us are scientists, so we can't disprove it, even though that's you know a, a, a lazy man's way of you know, looking for facts. But nonetheless, I thought the concept was kind of cool, but you're right, the story was somewhat lacking. They were launching these experiments. Well, the cartel linked to the, the government agency involved in this were using drug dealers and poor people to essentially as guinea pigs for this product because they were looking for a way of stabilizing it. And that's where Jamie Foxx comes in. He was the first person the um, drug stabilized in. So that's why he was an important character. And he uh, apparently the first person to pass on the traits to, to, uh, to an offspring, right? In terms of story, there were things that they could have done, like you said, Jared, what, you know, these people that they're using in terms of using drug dealers to look for desperate people, basically track and find out how these powers work in them and if they were actually able to st stabilize these abilities. Not to mention another issue is power, right? You have these people who spend their life essentially in poor neighborhoods looking for power, literal translation of the orthodoxies of living in poor neighborhoods and the inability for people oftentimes to um, basically leave those situations from generation to generation, go from different socioeconomic class from the parents to a higher socioeconomic class. That doesn't even happen anymore in the United States. And so you have people that are stuck in an arrested development, so to speak, that are looking for any kind of con connection to power. This is something they could have leaned into more. They could have had more dialogue on it. They could have explored that concept more that these are the people that were looking for it, that wanted this pill in some way, give them more agency for, for lack of a better phrase. Frankie? Yeah, I think a lot of what you pointed out was um, what stood out to me as well. Like, like the spectacle was really good. The story lacked so much, um, but it did. It, it could have leaned into that. <clears throat> to Not only to man's flawed addiction to power, mm. right? Like, like, um, because you're right, the entire thing is about how how um, how either the government or the cartels are are over are more powerful than the people they're dealing to, but also um, also this addiction is reaching towards being more powerful. You know, like so, the wants for that power is so strong that they'll risk knowing that they might explode, right? Because I think that was common knowledge. Like you never know. You might take it and you might be one of the lucky ones that explodes, but but that risk, the craving for power is greater than the risk of destruction. Uh and, and yeah, so I mean a lot of what you said, Jared, I was I was like, oh, I was gonna say that too. Oh, I was gonna say that. So you're on the same page, brother. I feel the same. I feel they could have they could have leaned into a lot of that. I feel like um there was ways to to trace that to like when crack was released in the eighties, right? Um and and uh it was done as both an experiment, but as an oppress oppressive device uh, to keep people from coming into power. So, so I think, yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot that they could have explored there, and I don't know why they didn't. Completely agree with you because I was I was going to try to make that point. I'm glad you made it. When I say the point, I mean the connection of this drug to connection of power to cocaine, right, or the connection of power to crack, or the connection of power to horse. 
but also at the same time that the profits still redounded to the power. Even in this story, we know that what was originally considered a conspiracy, the idea of Cointel Pro and the release of drugs into the inner city was considered considered a conspiracy theory that would never be proven. And since then, we come to realize that it was actually true. What is true in the story is that the profits of selling these kind of things in neighborhoods of color is that the money and the power still redounds to the same people. Jerry it's like, it's like, I don't know, like you guys, uh, this felt like a 90s movie. It felt like a 90s movie, even in the way of like, they're afraid to make it a black movie. So they casted a white guy as a lead. So you feel, see, so, so we could actually market it to people kind of thing. You know, I like, like the Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I, I, I think every performance in this movie is, is really good. I think every actor is great. I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think he's fantastic in this as well. Uh, but I think there's a waste of talent for everyone involved as well. Um, and, and and But in regards to Joseph Gordon-Levitt, it just felt like I didn't know why his character was there. And it felt like the only reason why his character was there was because if we if we took him out, it would be it'd probably be a better story because it would just be about Jamie Foxx and uh, what's the sister's uh, sister's name again? The oh, actress, Dominic, yeah, Dominic I, Fisher. I or, well, the, the 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 girl that he's rolling with. Like, if it was just their story, then I think you can probably take the time to get into more of those issues to kind of drill down on who those characters are. Uh, and I think it would have been a more a more interesting story. But instead, we have this plot line with Joseph Gordon-Levitt that really didn't do anything. It just felt like it was there. Just because, you know, why, why not kind of thing. And it, it, it was sort of, it was disappointing. It was, it was, uh, it was disappointing in that way. Like, I, I wish, it didn't seem like they had the interest, the story itself. Like, it, it wasn't like, oh, you know, they tried, but they failed. It was like, oh, you guys don't really care about addressing uh, anything deeper than superpowers are cool. Let, let's see an action movie, which, again, I don't mind. Um because there, there were some smart action scenes. There was some cool action stuff, like when Joseph Gordon-Levitt actually was fighting the rubber guy, the, the, like the uh, the rubber dude. Um, that was actually, I, I, that was surprising. Every time you saw a new power, it was actually legitimately exciting to see, oh shit, what's about to pop off right now? Like, like what am I about to see right now? And how are they going to solve that problem? I think there was a lot of cool uh, things there, um, but everything surrounding it, like, like I said, it was, it, was all, it was all sound, no fury, you know? I think uh, yeah, I, her I, name I, is Dominic Fishback, y'all. Dominic Fishback. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to put it out there so we're not. So we're honoring that amazing little actress. Um, yeah. And then I wanted to say also, like, I don't, I'm not sure if it would have been a better movie if he was not there uh, or if they would have explored that. It seemed like like uh, the script was, was not, it was kind of underdeveloped. Um, and they missed, like, one, I was hoping he was going to become Robin at some point, right? Um, <laughs> And just pick up his role and see like crime fighting Robin, but that didn't happen. But too, I think you know, I, I think another thing that they really missed was was um, what was her character? Robin, her character was Robin, right? Her character was Robin, right? Uh, in the movie, <laughs> um, she she had bars, right? And they kept trying to emphasize how that was her power, and they could have really stepped into that, right? I mean that. I just think about his, historically, you know, how hip hop empowered the people, right? Mm-hmm. And so in, 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 in this story where people are taking this kill to, to try to find power 
And she like throughout the movie, you know, talks about how her power is is in her ability to to rap, right? It makes her feel powerful. It makes her not need these other things. Like they missed they missed a story arc there. Right. Um, but yeah, I want to point that out. I just want to agree with Frank. I agree because there were several moments and I thought about that too. I had written that moment down too. That that was an op- that was another thing that they missed an opportunity to lean in to this idea because even Jamie Foxx, which was a cool scene when he starts giving her words like seismograph, it seemed like the characters themselves or somewhere the writer wanted to do this. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, like, and again, like, I, I just, you know, just comment on, on what Frankie was saying, like, like, I think the problem with the movie is it was, it wasn't, it wasn't focused, right? Like, like, it, there, there, it was, it was sprawling in a way that didn't do it any favors, right? Like, so like, when I say, like, if the movie was about just the relationship between those two characters and building those two characters up, like, I, I feel like, not as is, but like taking the time to, you know, the the the, the time you spent building up Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. If you spent that time, extra time building up these other two characters, their relationship, and addressing all the things you guys are talking about, great points. Like I feel like you could have salvaged this. This could have been something. This could have been something special, right? And like what you guys are saying about like the idea of finding your power, like. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And they, 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 they had a lot to do. They had a lot of uh, touch points and, and they skirted around a lot of it, but it didn't feel like they were concerned really with paying any of that. It also it felt like, like, um, like the relationship they were trying to go for with Jamie Foxx and Dominique um, was, was like a father daughter thing and and that it it just didn't work out it felt more it it felt more of a connection between her and and joseph gordon levitt right she had that mentoring uh father figure so i didn't understand like her her uh her quick devotion that developed to him um when he was abusive right because he was incredibly abusive to her right yeah and and then she became really loyal to him. And I was like, you know, what is, you know, I know they weren't trying to say something, but I'm like, what is this, you know, my mind goes to what is this trying to say about father, father, you know, children relationships in, in the POC community. Right. That's, okay. that's where my mind went. And then, and then also like the, the Joseph Gordon Levitt story arc could have been different because, because they could have, explored the question like he was taking the drug and his justification was i want to do good with it right or i want to be able to 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 to, uh to make a difference right by doing the exact same thing that we're fighting against right there could have been an exploration of that which brings it back to like the whole discussion about police reform right um so yeah they just yeah there was a lot there and there was a lot that was that was missed unfortunately the relationship between Robin and Jamie Foxx's character was, I think, Art, if I'm not mistaken, or what was his name again? I can't think it was Art, but I don't know. Becoming the major, the major, that was it. Um, it felt unearned, especially at the end when she's crying, trying to save his life. It felt unearned. Man, you've known this cat for a day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like this crying and boohooing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it was a, you know, a, a riveting situation for them to be in. And sometimes those kinds of situations can, can create bonds, but it had essentially been 24 hours. 
there was a concept I thought was actually kind of cool that was subtle that they kept showing us that was subtle that I thought could have been cool too, along with what Frankie was talking about, that there's a lot of um, lore within fantasy and sci-fi, like especially like within like Star Wars and with like Lord of the Rings stuff that says that power comes with a cost, right? Whether it's dark magic, whether it's the dark side of the force. And you saw that like uh, Rodrigo um, Santoro's character, remember he's the one who turns into a monster down in the club. And even before, like, he takes the pill, you could see all the wrinkles on his face, on, in his neck and stuff, that he had changed before, and that it had basically ruined him to an extent, right? Like, his, that he had suffered for this, that he got this power, but, and he could use it again if he needed to, but the power came with a cost, right? That once that five minutes was up, that he was disfigured. Like, when Frank was saying, hey, what's more important, having power or surviving? Like, they were so desperate for power that they were willing to risk exploding or extreme disfigurement. It just seemed that the movie just, if they had just decided that, or they could have done it, or they could have dealt with socioeconomic class and people of color. But it just seems like they were so busy just trying to split the baby and, and live in the middle that they did neither one of them well. You know, Jared, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go ahead again. No, no, I mean, uh, you, you, I, mean you, you, I think we're, we're kind of all in agreement. I mean, like, I, I, and you know, I, it's weird. I don't want to make it about race. Like I actually looked up the uh, whenever I watched anything, I looked up who made it, right? Who are the filmmakers? Who are the people? Who are the voices we're listening to? Because like what Frankie was saying before, you're like, I mean, I feel like even if you're not mean to say it, you're still saying it, right? Like you know, the idea of like yeah, her relationship with with the major, uh, the you know, the girl's relationship with with Jimmy Fox, it being kind of not problematic, but just like more involved and more abusive than I think maybe they even wanted. You know what I mean? And like even if it's something that's unintentional, it's still something they are saying, right? And so for me, it's, I'm eager to see who, who's saying it, right? And I feel like the people, uh, it's like, you know, the screeners from like Romania, you know, like it's like these two brothers who are like, you know, from like the Midwest or whatever, you know, like, like so it, a lot of it to me feels like that's, they didn't have their heart in the story in the way that I think we do, right? And like when I see something like along the lines that we're talking about before about the Academy Awards and implementing like these diversity and inclusion rules, uh, at, at face value, I'm like, oh God, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> like, like you know, like, like don't make rules. Like, just let people make say their voice. Let people say what they need to say. Don't uh, don't make them do these things, right? If they don't have to. But I mean, and part of my fear is something like this movie where it's like, oh, we have to put black people in it. So let's put in New Orleans, but let's actually not comment at all on anything meaningful about the black experience or the or even the experience of being poor. Like it, it didn't even feel like they even addressed that, right? Like it felt like the people who made this movie just wanted to make a badass movie, which is fine. But as someone who is poor and, 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 and uh, you know, grew up, you know, impoverished and a person of color, like there, there are things that I want to see addressed in something like this. I get excited when I see a trailer uh, for this movie. I'm like, oh my god, they're going to do some really interesting things that really relate to what to what to what my life is and what and my worldview. And then when you watch it, you realize, oh, they don't give a shit. They just put black people in it. <laughs> they put it in New Orleans. Because it because it's a cool place to be, not because they had anything meaningful to say about it, you know. And, and I think that's that's a bummer. Well, they may have put it in New Orleans, but New Orleans is an excellent tax kickback for movie studios and stuff. So I don't know if that's necessarily the reason, but what I found was 
funny too is well, there's a lot of implied, not applied, but implied science. People have different uh, powers. You know, uh, they get a different power depending on, you know, what's alive in them or in their DNA. So that's kind of insinuating that uh, that people evolve from different species, right? <laughs> like different species in us, right? That's one insinuation. Uh, the second one I thought was kind of funny was like, is that they're not really, they're not necessarily powers, but their abilities, their survival abilities of animals, right? So, so uh, it's funny that that you know that, that we you know we refer to them as as powers. Um, you know, and some some weren't like I don't think there's any animals that light on fire, um, but but um, but I was also thinking like it just made me laugh because I was thinking like there's like a goat right that when it when it gets scared it 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 just falls and fakes dead right <laughs> and whatever like that was your power that you got when you took the pill is like it's, that it's would like, be my power. five minutes you could fake you just fake dead for five minutes <laughs> <laughs> well, right like bosses. You can become really good at pretending to be dead. <laughs> that's like that's your five minute power. That would suck, bro. That would that would be worse than exploding. <laughs> <laughs> Just narcolepsy. That's uh, your power. I like it. I'm down with that. That would be that would be my shit. That would be happens to me. Narcolepsy is just your new power and stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and like even like the idea, like like you said, it's it's sometimes it's about like who's saying it, right? And so the idea of like her being like an MC, like I like the idea of her finding her voice and her voice being her power, but like she had nothing to say, you know? And, and so that even, even to me, that was a little like disingenuous, right? It, it, it felt, and it said, again, this is coming from me and I have, a, I have a very specific perspective on the world, but from my perspective, it was a little insulting a little bit of like, oh, she's just, she's just a rapper, you know what I mean? And like, and like, and like, that's her power. I, 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 and I don't mind that, but it's again, it's just like they don't want to do anything with it. It's just surface. It's just like she's a rapper. She's really good. And first of all, I'm like, she's all right. You know, she, she's not, she's not that good, right? But she's all right. But just for him to be like, you know, you go, girl, you rap, and, and, and it just felt, it just felt like, like it's like it felt like an '80s version of like of what people, yeah, like like old white dudes in the '80s thought. You know, black stuff should be. You know, yeah, they rap. I don't know. That's what they do, and this is what this person does, and and that they'll like that. And I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. yeah. I, the more I like, I think on the movie, the more I'm. It's it's not just innocuous, right? It's not just like some like sort of like low level, like oh, you know, whatever. It, is, it just wasn't good. There's a part of me that's like, no, actually, it's actually kind of gross. This movie, <laughs> in a lot of ways, it feels like it's taking advantage of us, you know, in, in, in some ways that I'm not comfortable with after watching that movie. Uh, and, and you know, whatever, I, I'm sure it's not malicious, right? It's, it's just, it's just a thing they made, right? But it is a bit eye-rolling as well. Um, Even the subtext, I mean, I think, I think, you know, too, if I may jump onto the point, I think you're trying to make, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jared, is that the subtext becomes a little bit tortured, right? Because we've seen it before, right? And even with the two Latino characters that were in it, even though, even though you're in it for a short period of time, um, Rodrigo Santoro, what care, what does he play? He's not the government. He plays a dude who runs the cartel movie with the other. Who is his primary um, competitor? It was a Latina who just wanted to get the drugs and move the drugs. So even then, even though they don't really talk about it explicitly, 
it is implicitly there. It is just another subtext reinforcing certain things um, that in terms of like saying like, well, we don't know what other role to put these people into, right? But we can put them here. It doesn't make the movie more believable because that the, the two main cartel characters happen to be Latino characters. Does that make the movie somehow more believable? Just in the same way with Homegirl being an MC. Does it make it more believable that because her voice is being an MC? I'm not against it. I thought it was, I kind of liked the scene, admittedly, when Jamie Foxx is like, well, you know, rap on this, right? You're right. It's throwback. I think it's meant to be just candy for us. It wasn't really meant to take us any place on an intellectual level. But there's other things that, in other ways, she could have found her voice than MC. And don't get me wrong, I love MCs, but there could have been something else. I mean, it's fun. Oh, I just want to say real fast to respond to that. Like, I, I got no problem with her being an MC. That's cool. But I'm just saying, like, it feels like for them, it was just enough for her to be an MC. Like, they didn't give her anything to say, right? I got no problem with MCs, obviously. I love MCs. But for the, the, the filmmakers, their response was, oh, no, she, she raps and that's good enough. It's like, but yeah, but what is she saying with the raps? What is her voice? What is she what is she bringing into the world? Like, what is that power? What does that actually mean? And they didn't want to explore that because it was enough for her just to be a rapper. Yeah. So she yeah, wasn't only kids. she wasn't only an MC. She was an MC who was a drug dealer <laughs> who came from a single parent home whose mother had diabetes. Right? <laughs> like, Once again, Frankie, the subtext, right? The subtext, yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And the casting, like she was great, man. But I don't, I didn't believe that she, that she didn't have a voice. She was a powerful uh, actress. Right? I thought so. Um, and that scene, I felt really, um, I felt cheated when she when she rapped at the teacher, because that felt like something her character that they set up would do, and then they kind of went back to try to develop what you're talking about. Uh, she needs to develop her voice from this entire time that she's been doing that. Like, it, yeah, it didn't, it didn't fit. So, so that, that, felt, that, that made me feel cheated. Sorry, Frankie, my apologies. Uh, there are a few things that Netflix has done that I thought in concept, but they would have worked better in terms of bringing them to fruition. They would have worked better as series. I think Bright, much as I did not like Bright, Bright might have worked as a series, right? You know, but it just didn't work as a film. It just didn't have enough time to develop the, um, to develop that world. He had developed the lore that was necessary to tell that story properly. And I feel to some extent that this movie fits in that same situation, that power fits there. Perchance, have you guys seen that other movie that's on Netflix right now called Code 8, I think it is? Essentially, you guys might find it interesting. Essentially, the the movie is, it's the X-Men universe minus the X-Men and minus the Brotherhood of the Universe. It's just a world where People with powers are, are basically hated and shunned and treated as second-class second citizens. After that, you know, it's just them trying to deal with it. It's people like trying to find jobs, but it managed to, to ask them these questions. Strangely enough, with, with less money, with actors and actresses that are not as good, but it gets there quicker and to some extent better than power does. And it, it, it might be more of a worthwhile watch than power is if you're, trying, if you're curious about some of these questions. And it just starts to white people's. Anyways. Well, I mean, that's the power. Like, we talked about this before. That's the power of you know sci-fi fantasy is you're able to kind of like talk about these um, these themes, these issues, 
in a way that you could do it with white guys, right? And we'll still talk about some sort of some, some black shit, you know, or whatever, you know. Um, but it also, for me, like, as just a lifelong comic fan, I love X-Men. This is very similar to me of, uh, there's a storyline in X-Men where there's a mutant growth hormone, MGH, uh, yeah. which I think is also the name of a rapper, right? MGH, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, it's mutant growth hormone. And, um, and yeah, but what's interesting about the X-Men comics is it's the, uh, the idea of appropriation, right? The idea of like taking other people's stuff. You know, we hate mutants. We, we, we hunt them down with giant freaking robots and we put them in concentration camps. But, but also my teenager wants to be a mutant so freaking bad. They're willing to like take a pill that could potentially make them, you know, blind for, you know, for five mm-hmm. minutes, whatever, you know, like, like, I think I think Project Power was missing that element of uh, of, of that of that story, right? It's missing that sort of like um, that, yeah, that sort of like just like just a little it's my little kiss of, of this like okay, this is deeper than just five action scenes that are kind of bangers. Frankie, we're about to say something. Uh, not in response, but I, I thought Jared, you put when you said bright, um, it made me think that this would have made a better sequel with the bright characters using that storyline, like to have those yeah. two cops as opposed to the story that they tried to establish with this. Cause bright wasn't, you're right. It wasn't the greatest, the greatest uh, movie either, but it, it had potential. And, uh, and to think of uh, taking that world and then, and then putting this as the new case might've been interesting. I don't know. Just nerding out on the comment that you said about it. And I was like, mash up. Yeah. Let's do it. Well, real quick, before we wrap up, there's one quick topic that I wanted to hit at you, throw at you guys. Um, and it's a little bit based on, on Project Power still. Uh, or at least I want to use it as a jump off point. In Angley's version of Hulk, do you remember how Hulk got his power in combination to gamma radiation? Was that Nick Nolte's character had been, had injected himself with a concoction of power from different animals, right? like the ability of like starfish to regrow limbs and, you know, other various animals that he injected himself and he somehow passed that on to his offspring, which let's be honest, Project Power in many ways is derivative on several levels of that story that Ang Lee was telling. The reason why I bring that up is that this story right here, I had mentioned it to Jared, man, I kind of had that idea too. I had a, well, kind of a similar story, not quite the same story as Project Power, but Almost like 60, 70% of this story, I kind of come up with as well, right? And not to mention, there's currently a book that I'm reading with my daughter. We read about four pages a night, so it's going pretty slow, called Shadow Shaking. And I bring this up to Frankie without talking about anything specifically Frankie's working on. But in the story, these two characters, a young Haitian boy, uh, a Puerto Rican, a young uh, Puerto Rican girl, both from Brooklyn, they're graph artists. They both have this ancestral ability to bring their murals and bring art to life by imbuing the art with the spirits in the area. Like with, you know, so there might be spirits in, in Brooklyn, there might be spirits in New Mexico, wherever around the world, but this is focused on Brooklyn, New York. I guess part of the question is for me now is that I think to myself that other people out there who are writers and creators and artists that have similar stories. And I gotta tell you, man, there's a part that looks at Netflix and how much they're producing and how much material is out there? I think to myself, like, man, if you got an idea that to you seems like a creative, a new idea, get it out there. If you have the concept, do the best job you can. 
it'll speak for itself regardless of what it might seem derivative of. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Dean, but I'm curious what you guys think about that. I mean, uh, if, I, if I'm if I'm if I'm thinking I'm, if I'm getting what you're saying, what you're putting down, um, I mean, yeah, like it's about your voice, right? Everyone's got a voice, right? And you know what's the, what's to say? There's ten, there's ten million stories to tell. Choose one, kind of thing, right? Like you know, everyone has a story, you know, and and I really do believe that everyone has a story, right? If you're listening to this right now, you have a story. You have something to say that no one else can say, right? And like. You just have to find your voice, right? And that's that's the difficulty, that's the challenge. But um, but you you have a story. Just, I guess I'm, if I'm without finding the long way around, I guess what I'm asking though is that is concept enough, right? That's what I'm saying. Like the idea with uh, shadow shapers is that there's this um, young muralist. They throw out murals and graph art. You know, they bring them to life. There are people developing similar stories out there right now. No, is it, no. is it con is that is that concept is enough, right? We've had, we're just having this concept, this conversation about power, right? Which power has a great concept, but the story didn't follow. What I'm asking is, is there a point where that concept is in the ether so much that is a, that the quality in the, in at some point will no longer matter? Right? I don't. I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying now. I don't. Yeah. I don't think that's true. I don't think that. I mean, I don't think that. Um, I think that it still matters, right? I think, I think the, the problem is, is that it's been told from one perspective for so long, uh, which is why we can, but Hollywood continues to remake the same story in the same way, right? Um, there, there's this, uh, this ridiculous idea that, you know, oh, there's already a story about mutants. It's, it's called the X-Men, so we can't do that. It's, it's, it's not original, but when it comes from you and your perspective, and your background and your history and your stories, uh, it, then it becomes then it becomes uniquely uh, a unique story in itself, right? So, like I think, you know, you can do as many stories as you want about an alien coming from another planet and developing superhuman powers, you know. Um, but what what makes the difference is again is is are you writing from your experience? Or are you writing from the narrative that already exists in the world? Because that shit is just concept, and that's boring, right? But we got a bunch of mutants from, from you know, South Central, right? That are that are kicking back at a, you know, in, in a park, you know, and and they get exposed to some some uh, some brown ass water, <laughs> right? That that mutates them, right? And now we know their experience in all of this, where they don't have Daddy Warbucks sponsoring their every move but they have to figure this out on themselves and not only that but most likely being people of color now we get that experience right where where um where if a person of color is walking down the street and they have a gun they're a threat you know imagine having these superhuman abilities like that's the story that's a story that's been you can say the concept is is an old concept but it's an, an it's a brand new story you know uh, maybe saying it inelegant before, but um, no, like no one cares about your concept. They care about what you have, what you as the artist have to say. I think that's the problem. I think we watch Star Wars and all this other stuff so much. We don't call stuff art. We call it franchises or properties, but we're still making art, you know, and art is about a voice. Art is about having authorship of something you create. And so if you have something to say, 
then even if that thing is about something is a, has all these tropes in it, you know, even if that thing is about some shit that, yeah, okay, we've seen a million superhero stories. The point is, if you have something interesting and integral to say about it, then it's going to be interesting and, and integral, you know, but it's a matter of what you bring to it. Like Project Power, it's got a great concept, but it's a terrible thing. I'm going to forget I watched, I'm going to forget about this thing after this conversation. I will never think about this thing ever again, you know, but, but meanwhile, if it was something that said something interesting, it would always, I would always carry it with me in some way, you know, it always come to my mind. That's kind of like why we're even here talking about comics, all the bullshit, whatever, because we had that experience where we see all this cool stuff from our past. And it was told with these, these voices, these themes, these perspectives that just resonated with us and, and helped us become the people we are. So I think it's important um, that we understand, we don't lose sight, that it is about the person making the art. It's not just about the art. It's not just about the plot or the story. You know, you can read a, a million books about how to craft a story, how to break down uh, an arc, but if you don't have anything to say, then what's the point of it all, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, real quick before we, we wrap up and um, let Frankie drift off into Dreamland, one of my all-time favorite movies is Big Trouble in Little China. And we talk about having something to say. I don't know if John Carpenter meant to say this, but the subtext of that movie felt like the mockery of the Great White Hope because you have this character, Jack Burton, who somehow, Ed Shen, Wang, everyone involved, even Lopan, felt the need to speak to this guy, to explain their plan, to ask for help and hope from Jack Burton of all people. The least capable person on screen was Jack Burton, but he somehow managed to not just be the center of attention, but he was the person that people turned to to acknowledge disposition of what's going on. Even as a kid, when I first saw that movie, I kept thinking to myself, this is a joke, right? There's no way that all these people really need him. And it felt like John Carpenter was in on the joke. It stuck with me because of this of almost the mockery of the trope of the last samurai and Tom Cruise saving a world full of people of you know, Japanese descent, right? And, and I think that's why Big Trouble in Little China is more well-regarded than the last fucking samurai, right? It's because John Carpenter knew what he was doing. He he he, he was in on that joke. He he wanted you to see how ridiculous it was. That the, the least competent person in the room is the white guy that we still have to listen to. Meanwhile, the last samurai is like, oh no, the white guy, they they took they played it straight, right? They played that movie, they played that thing completely straight, and that movie's forgettable. And I forgot I watched it. You brought it up. I'm like, oh, that's right, that was a thing, wasn't it? You know what I mean? But look, but trouble with China, when you said that, I was like, Yeah, look at Jack Burton. I love that idiot, you know. <laughs> it, it's uh it, it makes all the difference, you know, perspective. No voice that makes all the difference. Frankie, any last words? I just got now I got a pain in my head. Shut up, Mr. Button. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite line in that movie, man. No <laughs> pan. <laughs> just, just, that's kind of one of the best lines in the movie, right? Well, it is, and it, and and it's saying exactly what what needed to be said, right? You're talking about that trope. It's like he's the only one that put it out there. Was Lopan. pan? Was shut up, Mr. Button. That was that was it. <laughs> You know, um, yeah, man. I just want to, I just want to, you know, reiterate what, uh, actually, what Jared said. You know, and if you got a story, write it. You know, because we need them. As you can tell, we're tired of the tropes with with uh, with no heart. 
you know so so get creative tell that story create some art um we need them you know as you can see uh, hollywood and entertainment needs them um yeah thank you frank you know i mean i i think that you know with, with bringing up this discussion we might go back and forth with um in which way it's necessary to tell these stories i'm glad frankie uh, was much more um uh, explicit than I was about saying it. My ultimate point was just go out and write. You know, you know, if you have an idea, get your idea out there, put it on paper. Um, if there's a way you need to make it, man, find an artist to work with you, but whatever it takes, get your story out. Uh, Jared, you have any last words you want to say, man? Um, oh, uh, Frankie just sent a thumbs up um, through Zoom. Uh, that's adorable. And I lost my chain of thought, son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, no, nah, you know what? I, I don't know. You put me on the spot. I was expecting this. Uh, any last thoughts? You cut all this out, right? You cut around this. All right. Starting now. Uh, <laughs> um, nah, man, you know, it's just a pleasure to get back in the room with you guys. Well, 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 I invite everyone to visit our website. Um, reach that, um, mutantorminority.com. You can also, uh, find us on Instagram. Um, at Mutant Minority, you can find Frank Escamilla at what's your horror site, your horror um, Instagram? What's it again? Breakfast Chainsaw Massacre. That's right. I love that. Nick. The it's Breakfast like, Chainsaw it. Massacre and the Bus Stop Prophet. Yep. Um, uh, you can find Jared at Spaceman Jared, correct? Awesome. Yeah, Spaceman underscore Jared. There it is, Spaceman underscore Jared. You can find me on Instagram at Jared Birdsong. You can also find Mutant Minority on Twitter. And um, if there's anything else I could um, say to any of our listeners out there is please plan your vote. And because these things that we are talking about now, these, these issues that deal with people of color, that deal with um, the socioeconomically disadvantaged and the disenfranchised, a lot of this hinges on the, um, the, the coming election and what's happening informs our story. So it's very, very important that, um, that we take this seriously and whatever you can do, get out there, plan your vote, do the right thing. You know, and if you have a few extra dollars in your pocket, um, donate to a food bank. It'd be nice. Thank you very much. And hopefully we'll see you on the other side. Respect. If homos were the hardest, it's true. If it's homos, this big kind of city's hardest, it's cool. Hard about views of humans consuming garbage for food. We assume they've been doomed by narcotics and booze. Or what narcotics and lose? We've been brought up with views when people burn or move. They don't want you to use. Assuming problems and choose. We have the same chances for the squander of fools. Believe in God that refuse. It's probably a ruse. And it's peaceful to use of lies between you and I. They need to be used in eyes. What you con to these failures? They draw the pity willer. They say these for the willer. They remind us with the smell of the urine and shit. In a land where you're sure to get rich, we build a pit of eternity grit. Where the hypocrites are ones who are sick. In this land, then the free survival of the fit.